This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. Welcome to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Now, some have called it APEC's burning challenge, the move to tackle climate change and transition to clean energy. Now, while vows have been made and efforts are underway, it's clear that in order to fast track this move in the Asia-Pacific region, we all need to do this together. We all need to be in this together, governments and businesses. So on the show today, we're going to be talking about the role of businesses in accelerating Asia-Pacific's energy transition. And to do this, with me is Jimmy Yam, Vice President of East Asia at Eaton, a global a global power management company. Jimmy, welcome to Resource Center. Hi, Audrey. Thank you for having me and Happy New Year to all your listeners here. Yeah? Happy New Year to you too, Jimmy. Now, uh, before we get started, Jimmy, maybe you can tell us a bit about Eaton and the work you do uh, in this region. So Eaton, we are a power management company. So basically, power is our business. And uh, how do we uh, uh, evolve the sustainability of power, the customers, and also provide clean energy. And uh, we provide all the solutions there. Right, okay. So in in a nutshell, we manage power. So Jimmy, I read somewhere, and please correct me if I'm wrong here, right? That uh, Asia and the Pacific, this whole region, it's the source of more than half of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. I mean, we're just a section of the world, you know, albeit with a large population size, but but more than half of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. Is that accurate? Yeah, unfortunately, there's a case, uh, Audrey. I think uh, this case, you know, this part of the world, we're all emerging economies, right? And of mm-hmm. course, I think... Um, some of the countries that we have are still struggling with providing energy to their remote parts of the countries. And, uh, and of course, the, the typical energy source is fossil fuel, right? And uh, burning of fossil fuel. And, 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 and it, it, there's no way that they can uh, right now to uh, have uh, this uh, renewable energy as yet. And that's because the capital costs and the, uh, and the returns are not there. So it is a big challenge for this part of the world. So I guess we're kind of stuck with these traditional energy infrastructures and, of course, the institutional systems that come with it. But, you know, um, you just mentioned renewable energy as one of the solutions to this. You know, why is investing in renewable energy the way forward? I mean, are there other solutions in the mix there? I mean, like, why is this something that um, is why is this the first thing that you mentioned? If you look at the uh, clean energy, uh, you look at environment, you look at the climate, and all these, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you really have to find ways of sources of energy that actually is good for the environment. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and of course, I think you look at the sun, the wind, power, and all these are really uh, clean. They, they don't uh, they don't harm, they don't carbon emission in, in, the, in the environment. So that's, that is a solution to go to. But if not, uh, there's no way you can, you can, you can protect the environment. Mm. With the traditional source of power, right? So you mentioned wind, water, and all of that. Like you know, are, are there renewable energy solutions that have proven to make the biggest impact? You know, which one is the the lowest hanging fruit and the most effective one to get to get these yeah, nations yeah. in the Asia Pacific started at least? Yeah, if you look at uh, this part of the world, I think sunlight 
is in abundance. I mean, we we are a tropical country, right? And I and I and I, I think the biggest opportunity is really solar energy, where the solutions has there, there's a lot of, a lot of improvement in solutions like solar panels, you know, getting from the sun, and then how do we store this energy and then reuse them? So I believe that uh, we have come a long way uh, in terms of a solar energy. And uh, that is exactly what we need uh, uh, in this part of the world because sunlight is in abundance. It's different. We don't have four seasons. Right? So mm. I, I, think it's, I think it's a good start here. Yeah. Mm. Is there anywhere specific in the Asia-Pacific region that you are seeing the biggest opportunities or developments uh, when it comes to renewable energy adoption? Yeah, you look at um, your country, Malaysia, for example, there, there's a big solar farm that, that, that the investor has gone in and, uh, and basically to uh, tap you know, uh, they have the land, they have the 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 the, 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 the sunlight, and uh, I think Singapore government is really is uh, if they're successful, they buy 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 the digital energy from from Johor. So I believe, uh, especially in Malaysia, I think I think there's a full abundance uh, opportunity. You have land, you have uh, you have, you have sun sunlight. So I'll I'll say that if that if that uh, works, I, I think that will be a good uh, start for us. Mm. But what about countries like Singapore? I mean, like Malaysia has the space. We have we have all this space to actually uh, create a solar farm. But what about countries like Singapore? You know, what are their options? What can they do? Well, Singapore is uh, pretty limited. But uh, the good news is that we do have a fair bit of HDB houses. So mm. at the, at the, we are tall buildings. And I think the government is looking at how do, I, how do we mandate that all the tall buildings have solar panel in the new buildings. And that's one way of, uh, you know, one way of uh, you know helping helping to uh, to get alternative source of energy, but of course that is limited because uh, we don't have a big piece of land. The other the other area that I think would be interesting would be the the water. Right? I mean, you can actually have now so now they have technology that you can put solar panels on on the sea and are able to uh, you know to, to get those those energy uh, on board. So I'll say that Singapore is pretty limited. We we won't be an exporter, but I think we we'll probably be a big importer of of uh, uh, renewable energy you know in the region. So that, 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 that we are limited by space, basically. Okay, so what about businesses? What can businesses do to, to get in on this, you know, to do their part with renewable energy adoption? Like, you know, should they try to install solar panels on their uh, building roofs? I, I mean, like, that just sounds like the easiest uh, option right now. But what else can businesses do? Yeah, I think for businesses, as you know, business are in, 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 in profit generation. I think they look at their investment, they look at returns. And I would say that for business to go alone, it's very difficult. I think you really have to help the government because I think the, the, the initial capital infrastructure is going to be expensive. And uh, if you look at the, uh, you know, the, the, the payback and what the business does, they'll say, hey, you know, this, this payback is long. And, uh, and, and by the way, you know, fossil fuel is still cheaper than, uh, you know, if after you generate the, the, the renewable, fossil fuel is still cheaper. So where do I get out of it? So that's the reason why you see that uh, the adoption is, is slow and the uh, business is, is profit driven and, and, and they are not charity, so it's tough. So countries, so now you can see that country government are now stepping in to say that they you know either do the subsidy or maybe to rephrase some of the initial cost of uh, capital investment. And that's the only way for us to move forward. And as we, again, as we have produced more renewable, I think the, 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 the price, will, the, the cost will come down. I think they, you know, and, and that will help a bit. But I think this initial state is going to be very difficult. Not only just for us, I think for many developed countries, there's a first issue. Yeah. Mm, cost, right? Now, I understand that um, EV charging is a place to be a key turning point in 
energy transition, especially for commercial buildings. Can you talk to us a bit about that? Yeah, am I understanding this wrongly? Are you actually talking about those EV charging stations that we see in those car parks? So I think EV is, is, is now the, the, the hype and the, 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 the flavor of the year, right? Yeah. We, we, we have a big increase in like, uh, especially in Singapore, I mean, electric cars exceed, I think about 10% now of our sales, new sales, are actually EV cars. And uh, it's going very fast. Uh, of course, having, uh, I think, and then this is not the phenomenon in Singapore, but I think phenomenon in uh, many other, other countries. I think Malaysia is also, also going, going to that path. The, the issue is not, it's not EV cars. The issue is that, as you mentioned, it's a charging station, the infrastructure, mm. right? Today, mm. how do I get enough infrastructure to, to charge the cars? And, uh, and again, if you, if you buy a small little EV charger in your home, the AC you can, is just like a handphone you can charge overnight and your car will be ready. But if you go to a shopping mall, you cannot have one car to be, to, to, you know, to, to be charged at seven, eight hours and you need yeah. a, a stronger DC charger, right? So yeah. that, that, that's where the issue is. So when you have a very big uh, DC charger, then of course you, you, you actually put a lot of stress on the building uh, energy grid. And uh, of course on the whole grid. Today, most of our grid uh, is actually very traditional. It's only one way. And, mm. uh, and uh, imagine if every start charging cars, I doubt, I doubt uh, any grid can actually manage that. So I think the growth of EV has to be, has to look at the growth of the, the alternate source of energy. And that's where I think uh, energy transition comes in. How do I make a, how do I make a building rather than a just providing, getting, getting, getting energy from the grid, they can also give back energy to the grid. I think that's something that I think most, most countries and most uh, companies are actually looking at that. And I think that, 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 that that's the only way because there's no way uh, under the current infrastructure that we could, we could uh, charge that number of cars to be EV. Okay, I hate to do this, uh, Jimmy, because you're on a roll here, but we're going to need to take a quick break for some messages. When we come back, uh, we'll continue our discussions on rethinking the way uh, we look at buildings to kind of uh, accelerate the low carbon, a low carbon future. All that and more happening on Resource Center. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Breakfast for Masters, BFM 89.9. You are listening to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me today, I have Jimmy Yum, Vice President East Asia at global power management company, Eaton. And we've been discussing Asia Pacific's transition to clean energy and of course, what governments and businesses can do in order to help fast track this. Now, uh, Jimmy, before the break, you were talking to us about EV charging stations in buildings, in commercial buildings and all that. And I have to say, you know, in shopping malls here, I have noticed, and I've been to quite a few of them, um, that there are only a couple of EV charging stations. And, you know, to get the ball rolling, you said like EV charging stations could be an easy in. But of course, there are uh, some problems that we need to kind of fix before we, we, we go full on. But like, is it expensive? Is that one of the reasons why commercial buildings and malls don't have more EV charging stations? Is that one of the the, the factors here? I think the cost cost is a factor, but uh, I don't think there's a, there's a prime reason. Because uh, mm. you look at the, in fact, in Singapore, I mean, I'm not sure of Malaysia, you look at the charging, uh, you go by per, per minute or per, or, per, or per watts, I think the cost is comparable to if you, if you go to a petrol kiosk and, uh, and, and pump your, your, your petrol. So I, I don't think there's a big difference in that. I think the, the big challenge is really, as you mentioned, I mean, you don't see a lot of charging stations. 
within the buildings. And uh, that, and especially so if you have uh, existing old buildings, right? I mean, how do you change that? Uh, suddenly you say, that I want to add a few more charging stations and, and, and the building authority will say, oh, no, I can't, I can't do that because my, my whole building infrastructure did not cater for that. And uh, there, there is, there, there's a big challenge. And, uh, and I think it's, it's not so much of the uh, cost for the, for the, for the consumer. It's really the, the supply. The ability to supply that number of charging stations for consumer, and and that's the reason why I think in many 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 countries now, especially Sing- I mean Singapore for example, they mandate any new buildings you must have X number of a, a charging station, mm. which is compulsory before I can you can pass the, the building code. And I think as this is it will take it will take a while, but for any new buildings, new condominiums, new development, you must have X number of uh, a charging station and, and, and we can work it out. I think, of course, it will never be enough, but uh, but uh, I think it, it's a good start. Yeah, uh, so, start. yeah, I think EV is, is a good, uh, EV is a good, uh, uh, good for environment, but I think we still have a lot of infrastructure challenges that we need to, to solve them. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, what are the, the challenges and or maybe even the opportunities that businesses will face, you know, when either uh, integrating EV charging or, you know, if businesses try to adopt other renew- renewable energy solutions and what kind of challenges do you see them facing and what kind of opportunities are there in this space as well? I think the first and foremost is really the technology today. I think, I think although we have improved uh, substantially, but I think there there's still gaps that we need, we need to fill it up. And of course, as I mentioned, I think the how open is our grid to able to accept uh, new sources of uh, uh, consumer, right? Which 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 everywhere, and uh, and that's something that I think uh, uh, the grid has to has to as open minded. Uh, we have to make like a building itself uh, instead of a uh, a consumer, maybe a prosumer. Let me say that if they if they have renewable, they could. There's a solar panel in the in the building, and they could they could store this energy, and they usually store energy to to charge all the cars. Then of course the grid they will be happy. I mean they they won't be able to uh, stress the uh, the whole infrastructure. So this again uh, again there there are many things that uh, that that is on plan and paper. There are so many things we could do, <clears throat> but again all these things uh, takes time and of course uh, uh, money. But the good news is that I think if they start looking at the new buildings, I think there's something that uh, we could do that. And now, of course, the existing old buildings, I think that's where there's a lot of encouragement and like getting, getting business and government come in and, and do subsidy and promotion. And I think that will help. As, as more and more people adopt you know, the, the, the technology, I think the, the price of that technology will come down and that will help again. So again, I think it, 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 it could be a long journey. It could be tough. But I think uh, what, what I foresee that there, there is an end in sight. I think that there are a lot of companies coming in now. There's a lot of companies that ask, I mean, with a lot of solutions. And, uh, and, and I think that, that will come to pass one day. Now, um, I also keep hearing this term, we were talking about buildings playing a role in moving towards renewable energy and all of that, right? In, in building a low carbon future. Um, I keep hearing the role energy hubs, energy hubs. Um, I, I keep coming across this. What does that mean exactly? And how will buildings play uh, a role as energy hubs? If you look at the current uh, traditional way of uh, energy, right? you have a, a grid that supply one way to the buildings, right? mm-hmm. and uh, and, uh, and and they they're just uh, eating out all this energy. So when you talk about energy hub, is like, if I make this uh, this building right as energy hub, if I can get this building to produce their own energy, so instead of just uh, just one way, if if they can produce enough energy, they could actually possibly also sell back the extra energy to the grid. So it's two way instead of one way. Uh, many 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 grid. Uh, I mean the, the natural grid is not looking at that. In Europe is a good example. You look at if you look at any countries like Scandinavian countries, so it's quite interesting. 
they 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 do uh, store energy mm-hmm. in the daytime and use it in the night. And when they have excess energy, they actually could sell it back to the grid. Let me say that for a consumer today in your household, right, you say, hey, I, my electric bill is so much. I say, by the way, I could just I got some excess energy. I can sell back to you and reduce my 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 fee. And that will give a, give the consumer a lot of motivation to actually to buy a, a small energy storage in 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 at home and, uh, and and use that. So there are two 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 effect. One, they don't use so much traditional energy from the grid. Two, they could actually sell back. So it's the same concept as a building. And if a building is, is big, I think I think they potentially is an energy hub by itself because they could sell back the grid for other companies, or they can actually use less traditional energy. Now, it is uh, twofold. It's also a great alternative source of revenue. So um, is this something that smaller businesses can do as well? You know, what do you think smaller businesses, your SMEs, what can they do to help fast track a low carbon future? I think SME has a role to play I think because this whole infrastructure is big. It's just like a construction of a building. I think, I think the, they could actually help with certain parts of that infrastructure, right? And for example, I mean, if you thought solar panel, of course, they buy solar panel from from supplier like us. But in the same time, right, there are there are a lot of uh, a lot of uh, integrities that, that to to make that work, and they could just actually help with, with that, that piece of, of of the business. The the whole the whole scheme of things is really to provide a a full blueprint to say that you know which part and which steps that we need to uh, to manage to make that happen. And I believe that. Uh, Again, I said government intervention, government support is very is key. For example, if the government said that if you if, if the SMB were to supply certain parts to, to help with the energy, right? Maybe there's some tax incentive, or then maybe there's some subsidy they can claim, some skill development fund they could they could do it. I think that will help. And and, and this, this this definitely has to uh, has I mean businesses cannot just go it alone. I mean there's no way because I can't we can't control the grid. The government has to step in for sure. You know, I mean, you uh, mentioned an interesting point there, uh, which was subsidies and incentives, right? You know, from a sustainability standpoint, I guess it's a given that a whole of economy kind of effort needs to be needs to be executed. So, how much will business in- incentives uh, to participate in the energy transition help to accelerate pathways to a low carbon future? And what kind of incentives do you think will work here? So today, if any business would want to do this business, I think they look at it and say, hey, first, I think the payback period could be long, and then the returns will not be so attractive, right? And, mm-hmm. and I think a few ways the government can help. One is really <clears throat> tax. Tax is, it, 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 it is a big, uh, it's a big uh, impact. For example, mm-hmm. all the capital that the, 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 the company put in, maybe, you know, there is, a, is there some exemption from tax, and uh, maybe any revenue generated uh, through early gen- through this EV or through renewable, you know, maybe there's a pioneer status. You can say that, you no, know, maybe we will not tax you for the next five years. So tax, I think, is, is a very powerful uh, term. And of Tool. course, the, yeah. other that you, you, the other thing is that, for example, if I bring certain equipment, you know, I mean, in some countries, they import duties and uh, tax and SIs. You say, okay, all, the, all this equipment, we can use a category of equipment in there. Say, okay, this will be exempted, exempted from tax if you bring it in to do energy uh, transition. Now, the reality is, uh, Audrey, is this, right? I think, honestly, I think as a, if you look at a, a pure business sense, I think this is going to be a tough, tough thing to do. But, mm. of course, the higher calling to do all these things, uh, energy, is really got to do with protecting the planet, about climate change, about carbon emission, and about clean, and how, how do we protect the environment? And this is, this is a higher calling that 
that today, if, if you look purely at business side, it doesn't it doesn't click with with, 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 with the business, right? Mm. But that's where the government has a as a as a responsibility to make sure that you know that the the environment, the the, the climate, you know, while building their care, they have to make sure that it doesn't deteriorate, and that. And that what they have to step in and say that hey, you know, let's look at the bigger picture. And that's something that uh, I, I think that's important. All right, Jimmy. Um, on that note, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Now, if uh, we'd like more information on Eaton and how you manage power, um, is there a, a website that we can go to to learn more about what you do and how we can get in touch with you? Sure. You can go to our corporate www.eaton.com. Yeah. So right. you, you can go through that and then uh, anytime, uh, Audrey, if there's any other questions, I'm happy to, uh, to address it. <laughs> right. And if you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the brand new BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. I've been speaking with Jimmy Yam, Vice President East Asia at Eaton. My name is Audrey Raj and this has been Resource Centre on Enterprise BFM 89.0. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app. 